1: What is up, everybody? Welcome to uh, an emergency edition of the Bootleg Football Podcast. Uh, we we were definitely planning on recording an entirely different episode this evening. And then, uh, well, as the NFL tends to do, uh, altered our plans a little bit with one of the wildest news days I can remember in a long time, up until the point where... There was major breaking news literally five minutes before we were even recording. So thank God we're doing this at night, not the middle of the day. Uh, it, it, we completely threw out our old show. It'll come out at TBD at some other date. And we we just have a whole lot of news to talk about, a whole lot of things to react to, major things to react to. So uh, before we get into all that, first things first, EJ, how you doing? What are you drinking tonight? I'm hanging on
0: feels like the world's spinning fast today. Um, live in the Pacific Northwest. There have been, there have been waves of, of grief. We'll get into that. Uh, a lot of shocked looks from, from coworkers and Seahawks fans, but, uh, it, yeah, it's, I don't remember a day with quite this much news and we're not even really into free agency yet. This feels like the first day of free agency, but it's not, um, so, yeah, lots to talk about all over the board. Um, news came fast and furious, so we'll get into all that. What am I drinking? I'm just drinking seltzer tonight. Um, it's kind of early and there's more work to do after this. Um, so I'm I'm capping out. Uh, what do you have? Because it looks way better than what I have.
1: Well, I'm not sure if it's way better. Sometimes I like to gamble on like <laughs> grocery store brand whiskey. Oh, it's the best. I love trying it. But you never know no. if it's gonna be great. Like the Costco stuff, phenomenal. Kirkland whiskey, I will stand by to the end of my days. Um, whatever this Vons Signature Reserve Canadian whiskey is, I think it might be cut with gasoline. <laughs> so if I don't make it through the whole show, um, we'll know what happened. You know to send. Uh, you, you know my address. You can send the ambulance because I don't know what the fuck is in this, but we're gonna find out. Okay, so no floating toppers that you set on fire in that one. I'm just gonna. I'm afraid of holding this too close to my lights. I think it's gonna (laughs) set on fire. So I'm gonna drink that in a second um, so that I can make it more than five minutes into this show. Uh, First things first, before we get into all the news, uh, we do wanna thank Matt for hopping on board the Patreon this week. And uh, you know, supporting the show. Remember, all patrons uh, for the show are going to get access to our draft rankings once we uh, finish them. I don't know about you, AJ, but I'm starting to hit all the the FCS guys this week, so trying to trying to round out my rankings. So those should be coming hopefully fairly soon, or at least the first version of them, and then we'll kind of add stacks to it. So if you're a patron, you get access to all those as soon as as soon as we release them. You know, you get. Uh, discounts on merch and also you get 48 hours early access to all of the prospect interviews that we're going to be posting over on the clips channel from shrine bowl we got one that came out today so for the next two days all patrons get early access to that and then it'll open up to the public after that but yeah try try to create as much value as we can here uh, with the old bootleg patreon so thank you again matt for uh for signing up with us
0: yeah we appreciate that and Uh, As you know, as most folks know, because we made a fairly big deal of it, bootleg turned two a couple of weeks ago. We had our anniversary. We had a fun bootleg stream on a Saturday to celebrate. But um, before we talk about all the other big deals uh, that happened today, and there were some seriously big deals, I have a bigger deal. (laughs) This deal. You might not finish that by the look of it. Or maybe wash it it's down good. with something.
1: It's good. It's okay. It's it's, good. Okay. it's okay.
0: So this is a bigger deal. This deal has been in the works for three months. What deal? This deal has been in the works for three months. And like literally almost everybody I've talked to knows about it, but you don't. And I, I love this. This is great. So it, to celebrate us turning two, I got you something. And I sent it to you, and I told you not to open it. So you have a box. And a box cutter. And a box cutter. Be careful with that. So you have a box <laughs> and a box cutter. And I said, we're going to open this on the podcast so that we can we can get your reaction. So had something okay. made to celebrate us turning two. So now world premiere of what it is. Brett has no idea. I've showed this to everybody, which is hilarious. Just, you I had it
1: made? Yes. Now, okay, now I'm curious. I had it made. Well, apparently it's fucking packed with adamantium tape.
0: Yes. Yes. No. It is. It is well packed to be protected because it is worthy of such protection. Okay. I think I got that. Okay. Just don't cut yourself because we know how you are. Yeah. With sawzalls. And it's box fine. Cutters. If I
1: wound myself, I can pour that whiskey into it. <laughs> That'll clean it immediately. Antiseptic. Antiseptic. What the hell is this? Oh no fucking way. Bro. No way. <laughs> How did you even
0: <laughs> Cause I'm sneaky like that.
1: Did you get one too? Oh, maybe. Oh no fucking okay for people that are just on the audio only version. He got me a legit full-size Rydell helmet. With the bootleg logo. This is fucking sick. (laughs) Oh, and it's got the matte finish and every... Oh, that is gorgeous.
0: Yep. Oh, my
1: God. It took
0: a little longer because of the matte. Because, as you know, I can be a little bit of a pain in the ass. And I was like, I want matte. And the guy was like, I don't have my matte format printer yet, but I'm going to. And I was like, I'll wait. I'll be your first. I'll be your first. So... This is a custom helmet for everybody listening at home. It is a Rydell Speed uh replica. And uh it is a matte black finish with bootleg colors and the bootleg monogram logo on it. And our buddy uh Judd at 417 helmets in Missouri made this for us. And yes. Bum bum bum.
1: Oh my god, this is the sickest fucking I thing have I've ever the seen.
0: Matching pair.
1: Oh my god, EJ, you outdid yourself. I don't even yeah. want to know what this so, cost Uh
0: you it's it's not terrible i'll, I'll tell you but, um <laughs> no it, it's they're they're pretty cool um judd does a great job with these and he did get his new matte format printer so uh we've got stripe on there we've got speed face mask the whole bit so these are going to sit in the background for pods they're gonna they're going to go with us to events um but i had seen a couple of other folks get them and I said, man, if we get there, I'm I'm going to do that. So we worked on it. Everybody at Shrine Bowl saw it. You didn't see it. I showed Craig and Tucker and PJ and everybody, Ted Wen, Danny. I was like, this is so cool, but I can't tell them. <laughs> In fact, I even asked your wife if she was good at keeping secrets. And she said no. So I didn't tell her. <laughs> at
1: least she was honest.
0: She is always honest, but um, no, I have been waiting three months to show you that. So, anyways, happy anniversary! Um, I think they're. Badass. Cheers to you! Yeah, I, everybody... I wish I was
1: drinking better whiskey to toast this. That's but... okay.
0: Just don't burn your tongue off. We got a pod to do because there are bigger deals. I was joking, but uh, no, they're they're a lot of fun. Um, I'm glad we got to do that, and uh, yeah, you'll be seeing those in pretty much everything from now on because they're just dope as
1: fuck. Dope as fuck, indeed. Um, now maybe, or maybe not dope as fuck, depending on if you're a a Seahawks fan or a Broncos fan, shout out to Brandon Perna having the best day of his life today. (laughs) Let's get to our first piece of news. Uh, Russell Wilson is now a Denver Bronco and it was a massive, massive trade. Um, I think four picks, three players, uh, they sent Russell Wilson and a fourth, Mm -hmm. um, Back to Seattle. They sent multiple first round picks, multiple day two picks, uh Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, Andrew Locke, which probably was more insisted upon by Denver than by Seattle, if we're being <laughs> completely honest. Um, but just a massive, massive trade. One of the biggest trades, if not the biggest trade, probably since Herschel Walker, I would imagine. Like it's in it's terms big, of big impact,
0: deal. yeah, this is this is the one that's going to send shockwaves. So we have all these deals to talk about today, and we're going to do them in order of shock value. So the Russell Wilson one is absolutely first. There's other huge news today, but in terms of change, and I mean seismic change uh, across a couple of franchises and really a couple of divisions... A guy like Russell Wilson, who is going to go to the Hall of Fame, is already a Super Bowl champion, changing teams uh, when he can still play. This is not a, you know, last deal for Joe Namath when he can't run anymore. Like Russell Wilson is still a very effective NFL player. This is by far the biggest shock
1: value news of the day. And I I feel I feel bad for Seahawks fans because he's such an integral part of Franchise history, franchise culture, you know, the whole Go Hawks brand for a decade at this point, or at least close to a decade. There's a lot of kids that grew up in the Pacific Northwest and, you know, even stretch out over to like Boise, you know, that grew up with their Russell Wilson PJs and their, and their Go Hawks sheets. And they, you know, they're in high school and college now, and they've not really known Hawks football without Russell Wilson. And now he's gone.
0: This is a thing. This started to reverberate today when the trade happened. So I was in the middle of a meeting and I got a text from a friend uh, who's a Hawks fan. And they said, I'm struggling. And I was like, oh, you get a text from a friend and it says I'm struggling. You're like, hey, what's going on? Um, You know, check in on your people. And, you know, they said with the Russell Wilson thing. And I was like, hold the (laughs) phone, like turn my camera off in the meeting, like hit Twitter, like, oh my God, see the Schefter tweet. And like, it starts rolling through my brain. What's this going to be like? What's my day going to be like? And, and you know, but it's been rolling over in waves. And there's other people in that meeting who obviously are sports fans and, and Hawks fans. And I was like, hey, you know, send them a DM. Sorry, man, it was a good run. Yes, this is a Seahawks tweet. So they're not worrying about me. And, uh, you know, I got to watch them. See the news, right? And it's the whole stages of grief thing playing out on their face. They're like, oh my God. Like they realize that all of the winning that's been done, all of the culture that you talk about, the 12s, Blue Fridays, the Seahawks being just completely integrated and integral to the entire Northwest from Northern California all the way up through Oregon, all the way into BC uh out through Montana, Idaho. Like the Seahawks fan base, or concentrated Seahawks fan base geographically at least, is really large, probably larger than almost any other geographical region in the
1: country, even Alaska. Like when we were up oh, in absolutely. Seattle, we we met 100%. Alaskan Seahawks fans that come down from Anchorage.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, this is a thing and like you said, it has been one way since Russell got here. Like he was winning by the end of his first year. By the end of his rookie year, he was winning games and they never stopped. They never had a losing season under Russell. And so there's all these fans, an entire generation of fans that have never known anything except the successful Seahawks. And we know that without a top half quarterback in the modern NFL, it's unlikely that that's going to happen. Now, Seattle's not done yet. They have draft picks. There could be another trade. Any number of things could happen. But it ain't going to be the same because. It's pretty easy to say, and there have been some great ones, but Russell Wilson is the greatest Seahawk of all time.
1: Oh, yeah. Not even close.
0: There's Largent, who was also in the Hall of Fame, but his teams were never as successful. He's a wide receiver. There's Cortez Kennedy. there's, There's Walter Jones. Like, there's a lot of great, great, great Seahawks. But in terms of impact and just complete driving of a franchise from one place to another... Russell Wilson is the greatest Seahawk of all time and he is no longer a Seahawk and that is a big deal
1: and on the flip side, you know Russell Wilson uh, Russell Wilson might be if we're just talking about only Broncos quarterbacks in terms of like greatest players ever Russell Wilson might be number three on his own team's list you know behind <laughs> behind Peyton and Elway yeah but in the short term, they are right back in Super Bowl contention today today so you know before we talk about like long-term legacy when we're talking about short-term you know ability to compete it is no different than this time last year the rams acquiring stafford and we're like oh here we go you know the year before that tom brady going to the bucks oh here we go when peyton first went to the broncos ah okay if his neck's healthy here we go you know it's it's amazing how You know, in an era where like the formula for winning is is win on a quarterback's rookie deal surrounding him with a whole bunch of talent, there's almost an equal and opposite way to win, which is build the roster first and then just go find yourself a disgruntled veteran that needs those pieces. Cash out every other chip you have left for a two year window and go get a ring in that two year window. The Broncos have already done that within the last decade. So they know what the formula is. They, they've tried to draft quarterbacks. Paxton Lynch, Brock, Osweiler, Drew Locke. They ain't working. So they're like, screw it. We're going to do what we know how to do, which is draft receivers, Cortland Sutton, Hammer, or Hamler, Judy. You know, they had Fant, but they really like Albert O's, so they sent Fant to Seattle. Um, you know, they they've got some offensive line pieces that are really good. They've still got some defensive pieces that are really good. They knew how to build the rest of the roster. They just could never get quarterback right. So they're they're going back to the well here, and they're doing the number two formula, I would say, for success in the NFL, which is just go buy two years of success with a disgruntled veteran quarterback that's really talented. And I I gotta say, it's it's a very interesting approach, and it's a very I'm trying to choose my words carefully here. I can understand the risk. Sure. Where people say, oh, we're giving up our future. You think Rams fans give a shit? You think Bucks fans give a shit? Here's the thing
0: that's (laughs) really, really scary about this trade. If you're uh, another fan of an AFC West team, they didn't give up their
1: future. It was actually relatively light compensation for what I would have expected.
0: Right, but if you look at the remaining picks they have in the top 150 which is the top two thirds of the draft this year mm-hmm. Have like eight picks in the top 150 this year, like George Payton
1: is not done. Like, and and the Broncos have shown that they're actually what two years in a row. We, we featured them in like our favorite draft class and like we ripped on them appropriately multiple times for either passing on a quarterback or, yeah. you know, not, not making a series. It, like we, we ripped them to shreds. For passing on, you know, Justin Fields for, for Pat Sertan. It was nothing as Pat Sertan, but we're like, yeah. your quarterback's Teddy Bridgewater, what the fuck are we doing here? Um and I I think that their drafting capability outside of quarterback has been so strong mm-hmm. that even without those those first round picks and second round picks, like, you know, they're they're getting guys like uh who's uh Baron Browning, you know, who's a contributor, John Cooper. Uh, who they got? He was like a seventh round pick, I think he was. Might have been a UDFA, like, and he was productive for them. Yeah. Um, you know, like they they're picking up Josie Jewell as a fourth rounder, who's been solid. Alexander Johnson was a free agent and was good for them. You know, uh, they're, they're picking up Justin Simmons as a third round pick. He's an elite safety. Like they've they found a way to get contributing pieces either through free agency or through day two and day three of the draft without needing. A whole lot of successful first-round picks as it is, so I think your point about yeah they gave up a lot, but not as much as we think, is very valid. And this year
0: they they're going to add seven or eight guys out of the top 150. Now, if you look at all these top 150 of the draft lists, and you think, wow, seven or eight of those guys are going to end up on a team that is now helmed by Russell Wilson. Has one of the best, if not the best, you know, rookie running back in the league. Right? Has a wide receiver core that is loaded everywhere you look, mm-hmm. including Tim Patrick, who we haven't talked about, who is very good, just resigned. Like they have some young offensive line pieces, and you are going to add seven or eight guys to that lineup, probably a bunch on defense, and you are going to have Russell Wilson in Nathaniel Hackett's system. Russell Wilson is in. God's green acre at the moment. He's like, wait, they're going to let me cook with all (laughs) of these guys. Are you serious? I can throw now. It's not going to be get to the fourth quarter and hand it off. And if it needs to be, it's to a great young running back. Like Russell Wilson is happy, happy, happy right now. And Broncos fans should be too. But yeah, they're going to add like eight quality top 150 players to this roster that is, like you said, already pretty well stocked. Like the arrow is straight up for them. We know Kansas City's great. We're pretty excited about Herbert and the Chargers. Josh McDaniels and the Raiders are kind of like, oh,
1: really? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Well, even just let's even just look at last season, you know, when they when they were kind of I don't want to use the word platooning quarterbacks because a lot of it kind of depended on health, Um, but they started out three and oh last year, Mm -hmm. which the The likelihood of you starting out three and zero and still ending as poorly as they did is not very high. But when your quarterback situation is what it was, the odds go up a little bit. But you know they started out three and zero, and then they got crushed by the Ravens. They were in a sort of competitive game with the Steelers, who weren't hadn't really found themselves yet either. Um, You know they lost to the, the Raiders. They they somehow lost a squeaker to the Browns uh, when they were down like a billion starters as well. I think that was the, um, uh, who's the uh, Dearness Johnson game. I think that's, that's that game. Um, and so, you know, all of a sudden they start out three and zero, and then by mid season, they're five and five with some very winnable games. Like they, they weren't really completely disposed of in the entire first half of the season, other than, against the Ravens you know, they're ripping off wins against the Chargers. Um, You know, they, they had a, a, a close loss to the Raiders who they, who swept them, but like they really didn't get killed that much. And I think if you just throw a better quarterback into that situation, they probably make the playoffs last year and probably make a pretty deep run
0: they were, they were planning on it, right? They made their run at Rogers. It didn't work out. They tried it on draft day. That was their plan. They didn't pivot and go for a rookie because they basically said, Nope, we're going to, we're going to run the placeholder and we're going to do it again next year. And we're going to get one then, uh, and just continued to add pieces. And yeah, they got, they got savaged by us and a lot of other folks for saying, Hey, you're burning a year. And they sort of knew it. I think George Payton and his staff were like, yep, That's the plan. And we're going to do this because this is what we do. Well, to your point, we're going to import one of these guys, like probably one of the top three. If you're talking about Rogers or Wilson, possibly Deshaun Watson, if he became available, like we're going to grab somebody that's established and has great success. We're going to plug them in with all these weapons and we're going to take our short, but very viable window and put our foot to the floor and try and win another ring. And they've you know now that they've done it right now that they've closed the deal now that they've landed it now that russell wilson is a bronco weird to say they're in it like they yeah it feels very much like the rams last year it's like and they vault to the top of the charts like if they can figure it out and they have a new coach who understands offense modern nfl offense all the pieces are there there is there is no reason for them to fail at this point
1: now, flipping back over the Seattle side of things, unfortunately, for another piece of news that broke right before we recorded this, uh, Bobby Wagner has also been released, you know, one of another icon of the franchise. I, I Absolutely. I don't use that word loosely, but he is, you know, one of the embodiments of the Legion of Boom era. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he wasn't a member of the secondary, he was still... He was Bobby, you know, he was an elite linebacker of his generation. He was, you know, all pro pro bowl caliber kind of guy every single year, you know, was a leader in the locker room. Uh, it, It was him and Keekly in his generation of like, everybody was debating for years and years and years. Who's the best linebacker in the entire NFL? Bobby Wagner, Luke Keekly. And he was other than Russ, the only guy left on the roster from that Super Bowl squad and now within hours they're both out their offensive leader and their defensive leader
0: yeah it is a whole new era for Seahawks football and and it's going to we had talked about that with some excitement with Ken Norton Jr leaving the defensive coordinator post uh Clint Hurt being named the defensive coordinator and Sean Desai coming in as the assistant head coach for defense we were excited about what that meant for Seattle's defense and I still am but I put out a tweet today that says, look, NFL coaches don't shy away from pressure. They pretty much eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But make no mistake, the pressure on Clint Hurt and Sean Desai's defense just went through the roof. Like, they are not going to be able to lean on Wilson's heroics they're not going to have Bobby Wagner to lead them at this point now so it reminds me a little bit of John McClain and diehard crawling through the vent with the lighter like <laughs> come out to the coast it'll be fun they said <laughs> so we're in Seattle and you know hey we, at least we get to work with oh no at least well we got the you know we're going to score some oh no we're not um so you know neither one of them is going to shy away from that uh I I hope they were consulted it would be a little bit weird if they weren't um They know what they're after, but like, it's a whole different ball game. Like you cannot remove those two pieces. The most important one on offense by far, probably the most important piece on the team period and the iconic defensive leader who's been declining in production just a little bit for a couple of years, still a very effective linebacker. And yeah, one of the all time greats on defense for the Seahawks and say, oh yeah, it's business as usual. Like, uh uh-uh. Like, this is a cupboard cleaning. They are starting over. They've got picks. Um, We'll see what their strategy is. But unlike the Broncos, their history with drafting players in the last 10 years has been really suspect. And so having all these picks sounds great. Um, You really have to see what they're going to do with them. And if there's been a change there, if John Schneider has sort of ascended to the point where... He can have the 51% now. It was Pete before, and and we've seen how that's worked out. Not, not particularly great is a kind way to say that. So Seattle's futures are all new, and we're going to have to see if they change course. Uh, they've already changed course on defense just with who they've hired. We're going to have to see if they stock the cupboard in a different way than they have, because they're going to need to, quite frankly.
1: Well, one of the picks that, that really did, work out for them, and this is one that I don't think you and I expected to work out as well as it did, is Jordan Brooks, who, you know, was definitely a misevaluation on my part because of of what he was doing his last year at Texas Tech versus the year before that. They completely used him differently, and I, I didn't dig enough into the year before he came out, whereas the Seahawks did, and they ended up getting a really, really good linebacker who was very, very good in coverage. And you kind of saw over the last couple years, you know, Brooks taking over a lot of the coverage duties that Bobby used to do. Because Bobby slowed down a little bit. And when you look at the linebackers around Jordan Brooks, who is one of their best defensive players at this point, you know, you got Cody Barton, you got Tanner Muse, Ben Berkivan, John Radigan. Like there's there's not a whole lot of linebackers there, but this is a really deep linebacker class. Not because you're going to replace Bobby, but if you want to get some bodies in there that, that have – a lot of potential. This is kind of the year to do it and now they have a lot of picks so they can do it. And so I look at you know what they want to do on defense which seems to be kind of leaning a little bit more into the quarter's realm of things, you know, the more Vic Fangio style of things. So you want lighter, rangier linebackers. I'm I'm starting to think okay, Nicobe Dean, Troy Anderson, I mean really any Georgia player Muma. at all Muma, Um, probably not Leo Chanel um, no he's not, more of a he's more of a Patriots fit a yeah, Patriots he's more of a Patriots tree fit but, but, fit, but, but yeah. there's there's a lot of dudes in this class and I think they're gonna grab two linebackers not one
0: yeah I, I think they're gonna grab a lot of defensive pieces and that's gonna seem odd I think they may add another offensive piece in free agency there was talk of a Tyler Lockett trade today. It'd be interesting to see if they're going to move on. I don't think they're going to move DK. They they know what they have there. And those those are very hard to get. The alpha wide receivers are also very expensive. So they're <laughs> going to hold on to that. DK may not be very happy about that. He probably won't be this year for sure, um, which would be tough. It's always not great to have your some of your best players be unhappy with their usage or their their output. But um, they I think they're going to grab a lot of defensive players. I don't think that's wrong because again, they're not loading up for this year. They they know they're not winning this year. Like I, that's a tough pill for Seahawks fans as well. But you you're not winning this year. Um, kind of almost regardless of what you do,
1: unless they're trading for. And I I don't want to put this on them because there's a lot of baggage that goes with it. But element of the room is that Deshaun Watson's grand jury trial or presenta- whatever the proper word for it is, is this Friday. And if there are no charges filed, in the, in the eyes of the NFL, they will completely ignore it then, if there's no charges filed. And all of a sudden, people will want to trade for Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying the Seahawks should, but I could see them potentially doing it, depending on what happens with that grand jury thing this Friday. And it would completely change the outlook of this. And there were people that came out today and said, unless
0: the Seahawks get Deshaun Watson, they got fleeced in this deal. Like, if they can take what they got from the Broncos and turn it into Deshaun Watson, this turns into a very different conversation. And just to be clear, we are not getting into Watson's legal issues. Those get decided in a completely different realm. We're not advocating for him. We're not condemning him. That's a different discussion. In terms of a talent, everyone knows if you've got talent and you're legally cleared to play, regardless of the circumstances.
1: It's <laughs> a loaded word, cleared.
0: cleared <laughs> I mean, cleared yeah. means Yeah. the NFL says, and look, the Seahawks have taken on folks who have had not great off-field incidents in the past. Ed Frank Clark. <laughs> Frank, Clark. Oh, Frank Clark is right. top of the list, but he's not the only one. Um, so this is a franchise that says we, you know, we're okay with that. And they're not the only one. It's not to say, you know, that they have some different stand. there are plenty of franchises like, Oh, I don't know the chiefs, uh, where Frank Clark ended up, um, that have said, Hey, we'll do this. So it's, it's the elephant in the room. You're right. It's the, Hey, maybe sort of long shot, um, that would completely change the outlook. Other than that, Um, we know what this quarterback class looks like roughly not saying none of them are ever going to be successful, but I don't think any of them are going to come in and change the world as a rookie. That's difficult to do, even if you're as good as Justin Herbert. And I don't believe there's anyone in this class on his level. Um, and I don't think that's a stretch to say that. So it's interesting to see where the Seahawks are going to go, but they're going to load up knowing that they've got a couple of years worth to get ready for whatever's next Um, and that's, that's reality short of, again, a short term, get Watson in here and go right now.
1: Let's move on to, uh, one of the arch nemeses, so Mm. to speak of the Seahawks, uh, the Green Bay Packers, where one of, one of the outcomes that was available, which was Roger staying in Green Bay, uh, has unfortunately for us come to pass. I know you and I, on some level, were hoping that he went to Denver and just left us alone, or <laughs> retired and left everybody alone. I, I would have been amenable to either one of those, and unfortunately, the worst of the three options is what ended up happening. I don't think we have any actual numbers on the deal yet yet. Because it was originally reported of like two hundred million over four years, and then it was okay. Well, it's not two hundred million, but it'll be the highest paid. And then it was well, it's a cap friendly deal because they want to be able to pay Devonte. Um, yep. So we, I don't think we know what the exact numbers are at this point. We just know he's getting paid a lot of money and he's staying in Green Bay forever. And Jordan Love is probably gonna get traded. I would say.
0: Yeah, I think all of those things are true, though. The other thing we heard early in the day that, again, hasn't been confirmed. So take it with a grain of salt is that the guaranteed number, which is the the GTD, right? The guaranteed cash is what NFL players care about, because a lot of this, quite frankly, is monopoly money. It doesn't get paid out uh, to the players in the way that it's initially reported. It's in the best interest of the agent to put the biggest number out there. And Mm -hmm. when you look at actual compensation or what they earn really what it comes down to with the players is guaranteed money. And the guaranteed money is probably going to be the highest ever. I saw, I think 135 million at some point, like it's going to be a ton of cash. And you knew this, like you called this a long time ago. You said, I think green Bay throws wads of cash at Aaron Rodgers and says, please don't ever leave us. We're really sorry. We'll do whatever you want. Money-wise, Jordan Love-wise, PR-wise, we don't care. We've seen what it looks like without you, and we don't want any bit of that. So whatever it takes to keep you here, we're going to do. And that's exactly what's happening. Like, that is playing out to the letter here have the biggest contract have the biggest guarantee please don't ever leave that Jordan Love guy not never happened he'll he'll be gone we'll get rid of him i, I
1: think that's what i said right after the chiefs game where where love started yes, we saw it was we're the like first fuck love no, no and no you way. came down
0: hard and said <laughs> this is what the packers have to do there is no other reality for them because the same thing, the same reason Seahawks fans said for the last two years, whenever I brought it up, it can never happen. Don't even bring it up. It'll never happen. And I was like, well, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but it it could happen. They're like, no. And because nobody wants to look in the mirror, nobody wants to see what's on the other side. Uh, because, hey, as as Bears fan, I'm fully aware. Uh, I, I feel your pain, Seahawks. I know what it's like to be quarterbackless and have been for a long time. Um, Green Bay wanted no part of that. And they will do whatever they can and are doing whatever they can to ensure that Rodgers never leaves. Now, on the flip side, that's a thing. He's staying. He owns the division until other until his skills fall off, right? Which could be never. He's played extremely well the past two years, MVP level the past two years. Um, but to say that this won't affect the Packers' ability to surround him with talents not necessarily true probably won't this year because again they will make it cap friendly but all that money has to go somewhere whether it's void years whether it's push it down the road it will balloon at some point the bill will come due whether he is playing for them or not and at that point it's going to be very very difficult uh to surround him with a lot of town now they're still going to be able to pick and choose we've seen the saints do it for years even in the the late drew Brees years where they were paying drew a lot of money every year to stay same deal they still managed to surround him with talent so i'm not saying it's impossible it is going to become a thing for them to manage did they have a choice not really not when you've got a uh, bird in the hand right uh, but got- we already
1: saw them make some sacrifices like with Zedarius Smith who's a great player I know there's been injury issues and that's how people justify it but I'm sure there's a lot of teams out there that would rather have Zedarius Smith than not and if their cap situation wasn't what it was I guarantee you they would bring him back for another year and have a rotation of him Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and not sure. just Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith you know however <laughs> and so this is the thing they w- they want you know, another last
0: dance, right? Last year, we was, oh, it's the last dance. Well, they want Devontae and Aaron together, and why wouldn't you? They're two of the best players at their position in the entire league, and they happen to be on the same team. They also have some other very good pieces. All-pro left tackle, Pro Bowl running back. Like, they have a lot of pieces in place that they're going to, you know, they're going to try and keep. Now, we'll see. It's going to be on them to, again... We talked about it like the Broncos stock the roster, right? You're going to have to find some creative ways to do that because if they do this and it looks like they are indeed doing it, you are going to have roughly, and we don't have the numbers for, for Rogers yet. You're going to have roughly $120 million of your 200 and whatever
1: million dollar cap in four players. Rodgers, Devontae, Bakhtiari, and Rashawn. Considering what the edge market is, Rashawn no, Gary, No, not Rashawn Gary. Who? Aaron Jones. Oh, Jair. Oh God, Jair is going to be a lot of money. Yeah.
0: So you're going to have roughly 120 to 125 ish million dollars. Can, can they
1: even afford Jair at all? This- or or Savage? Or, you're, or Gary. You're, well, we're that. not talking about
0: <laughs> Savage or Gary. We're talking about Jair, David Bakhtiari, Aaron, and Devante. Talking about four players, and you're gonna have a hundred to a hundred and quarter million dollars of your $200 and what is the cap this year? It just got set to 201,
1: two. two, two, right? Or no, two, two, I thought it was higher something? Two,
0: 220. I thought something yeah. to 220, 224, something like that. So you're literally gonna have 120 of 220 in four players. <laughs> so That's a lot. Uh it's not, you know, uh it's not that much higher than a few other franchises, but it is gonna be in the top five in the league for a four players
1: total. Let me look up their their free agents. So you got see this year alone, Devondre Campbell, all pro linebacker. (laughs) Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, probably for what he'll get on the market. Um see Whitney Merciless is a rotational edge. He's probably gone. Shannon Sullivan. Uh, MBS. Lazard, which they yep. love Lazard because he blocks really well. MVS. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the only receiver they had under contract was like a Mario Rogers, so they they got to figure something out there. Um, next year Zary Smith is going to be gone. Preston becomes a free agent next year. Amos free agent next year. Um, they won't pay him. They can't pro- probably not. Gary and Savage next year. And Jair. Jesus Christ. And Jenkins. Oh yeah, my so god. It's a balloon payment and it's coming. Like it's you they can't because
0: they can't afford this. Well, right, but Jair is next year, right? Because again, if you let they're, him go they're all
1: next year. All right. of them, the whole team.
0: But Jair is is the one that they're gonna have to if they're gonna sign him, they have to sign him next year. Like they can't let him go to the end of his deal and then sign him. It'll be way too expensive. What? So
1: hell? Yeah.
0: It's a challenge like this sets them up for challenge. But again, it's it's not a lot different than the Broncos and saying we're going to run this for, you know, Aaron Rodgers may play for another four years at this rate, but it's really about the next two. What can we do in the next two seasons? That's our window. After that, the financials get really tough. It's I think fair to assume that even a player as great as Rogers will start to decline at some point. I know everybody's been saying that for five years and he's been playing at insane levels. So, but it's, you know, at some point the bill will come due, um, both physically and financially. And the Packers are all in for the next couple of years saying, we're going to run this back and we're just going to hope we get that championship and we'll deal with it later because no one will remember (laughs) the lean years after that if we get the ring if they don't get the ring this is gonna be trouble like it's gonna sink the franchise for a bit
1: but don't you think they've been in that kind of win now mode for
0: a decade (laughs) at this point you know they have and they haven't but remember the the big thing in free agency was always the green Bay Packers will never sign anybody in free agency. And that only recently turned a couple of years ago, right? They signed a big free agent class. They went after some of the top guys on day one. Like that was not a thing for them for a long time. They just, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't sign, they'd sign their own, but they wouldn't sign from outside for big money. Um, so they they've changed, they've adapted, but they're, they're in it now financially. Like they are throwing all the money on the table And rightfully so. Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And what this does uh, is set it up as a fact. Like, hey, you want to win the North? You know, Vikings have a new coaching staff and a new GM. Bears have a new coaching staff and a new GM. Detroit had it last year. Like he's turned over the entire division, right? Because he's just until further notice, he's the king of the North. You want to overturn the king of the North? Build your freaking team. Like build your team, Roger, you know, it's Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus's job now to surround Justin with talent and go beat Aaron Rodgers because he's going to be there, right? There's no more hope that he's just going to white flag out and you're going to sort of default into the division lead. Not happening. You're going to earn it. And that's their job. That's why they're in the NFL. That's why they compete. So it sets up that showdown for maybe not this year, but like next year, you know, year after
1: for sure. Like <laughs> yeah, we've got say, all, it, might, it might take a little while. <laughs> yeah. We've got all our
0: pieces and Justin has, you know, come along. Hopefully that's the hope is that, you know, he's ready. Maybe he's ready a little bit early, like Burrow was. And, you know, maybe they split a game with Green Bay this year and maybe next year they, they try and take both. Now, is it a tall task? A hundred percent. It is not an easy thing to beat Aaron Rodgers twice a year. I don't care who you are. And I really care who's around him. He has consistently elevated players of a lower stature to a higher production rate than almost, well, than a lot of other players can in the NFL. So it's a thing, but like, look, it's set. Like the, the sides are set. The field is defined. Like let's fight because he's not going anywhere. So if you're going to win, you go through him. There is no more around.
1: Meanwhile, the, the snake in the grass that is the Detroit Lions, they get a quarterback, things are going to change. I'm telling you, man. They they just need that that piece, that piece.
0: It's coming. You know,
1: they keep keep they,
0: drafting well and get a quarterback and you're right in it. The,
1: the the it was good that they traded away Stafford because they they weren't ready, but a couple years here, I think they might be. I I think that they're they're on the right track too. Um, now weirdest story <laughs> that came out over the last couple of days. Yeah, uh, Calvin Ridley, who stepped away from the game, um, you know, was dealing with some mental health issues, which totally fine by the way. Um, apparently, while he stepped away, uh, was in some state that allowed sports betting, and Florida. Was it Florida? It and, was
0: Florida and that
1: comes uh, into play here. Never go to Florida. Never go to Florida. That's the number one rule. Uh, apologize to all of our Florida listeners, but it's a lot it's a it's dangerous it's a there.
0: Rough rough state for a lot of NFL people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he, he placed some bets on his phone, totaling like fifteen hundred bucks, which sounds harmless, but here's the thing. The one rule the NFL really cares about. And I mean, really cares about like, you think they care about players smoking weed? No, they really don't care. They actively pretended to care so they could use it as a quote unquote concession with talks with the, you know, the, the NFLPA, but they really didn't care. That's why they only tested it like once a year. And if you didn't get caught on that one time, you never got tested again because they don't want players to miss games for that shit. That impacts ratings. You think they wanted Josh Gordon to not be on the field? no. Like, they they want Josh Gordon on the field. So they really didn't care about that. They really... A lot of the actual crimes that players commit had very light suspensions. You could argue the league didn't really care as much about those as they should have either. The one thing they really care about is do not bet on games. Because if you create whether on purpose or not on purpose, any sort of uncertainty about the sanctity or dignity of the result on the field that impacts the NFL's bottom line and you do not mess with their bottom line. You can theoretically get away with literally anything else. Do not bet on games. The NFL actually cares about that because it affects their wallet book. He did the one thing you can't do.
0: Look, we can say players can't bet on games. And I don't know that I need to say that, um, you know, but I guess I need to say it because we're talking about it. Like it's pretty obvious why players can't bet on games because players influence the outcome of games. Oh, you do an Olay block and your quarterback gets killed on the comeback drive. And Hey, you hit the money um, because you bet the spread. Right. And you prolong it. Like you have the power to do that. You have the power to influence games as a player. So, Yeah, players can't bet on games like that doesn't that doesn't fly. However, in terms of the sanctity of the game and its results, we have allegations that an owner offered a coach money to throw games, to not win them, to increase draft position. So talk about influencing the betting line Mm -hmm. that influences a whole lot more people and a whole lot more money and a whole lot more sanctity of the game and, and, uh, you know, strength of the shield. If you want to talk about it that way than anything else, but he's an owner and we all know the rules for owners are very different. Add that to the fact that the league has gone all in with gambling money, right? With gambling companies. And that has been a long time coming. It was a line that nobody in the NFL wanted to cross. As soon as they put a team in Vegas, it was pretty obvious that that was going to roll back eventually. Uh, It's very quickly becoming the tail that wags the dog, right? And so to say this player bet on his own team, yes, that is a no-no, without saying, hey, uh, if you're an NFL official, you need to release... All your financials in terms of betting. If you've made any bets, we need to see every one of them. Because if you are an official working game, you too can influence the outcome of said game. And if you think officials don't bet on games, I got news for you. Maybe they don't bet on the games they're working, maybe they don't bet on NFL games, but I bet some of them do, right? And that should be transparent. If you're an NFL owner and you tell your players, don't play so hard, we need a better draft pick, that has massive implications on the competitive sanctity of the league. And that won't be addressed either. So it's not that what Calvin Ridley did was right. It's not. Players can't bet on games. But neither should anybody else be able to influence the sanctity of those games or bet on them. And... This is a moral gray ground because of the league going all in with sports betting to the tune of hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars per year. So it becomes really hard for them to say like, "Mm, uh, yeah, you can't bet on them. But hey, by the way, here's your DraftKings code. (laughs) Go, Go put a lot of money on games, average fan. But you, Calvin, no, you get an entire year, which, uh, as you mentioned earlier, is not at all in line with number of games in terms of suspensions for other uh, what lots of us <laughs> regular folks would consider more serious crimes. Um, it's it's a weird one, and it's only going to get worse. Right. I'll tell not you better. this
1: much. I'll, I'll give you some context for how much the league cares about it. Mm hmm. When I was an intern at NFL Network a decade ago. This is before I before I was even an employee. Like I was an intern in college. I was there for five years. My first couple years were, were as an internship. We were not allowed, nobody that worked at the network was allowed to bet on games at all. Not that we have any impact on anything, but if there is even a remote possibility that you have access to any sort of inside information or you know you're walking by the green room while while Ian Rappaport's having a phone conversation you overhear something and then you call your buddy over in Vegas to place a bet if they found out about that you'd be fired immediately like zero tolerance and that was me as an intern in the media arm of the league now people still bet on games but they never talked about it because nobody wanted to lose their job over a two hundred fifty dollars bet on DraftKings, you know, or whatever it was. Actually, DraftKings—they didn't even have a book at the time. I was going to say <laughs> at that there point wasn't even, they weren't even in the game. But yeah, it's no. Like, that, but even DFS, even DFS was really shady ground. Like they got they got a little bit weirded out when when we were doing DFS lineups, and then they stopped actually running ads for DFS for a while. while the league kind of figured out and this was a decade ago. Now it's like the main sponsor of the league, but I was going to say, now it's the, but they, now it's the main gig. They literally stopped running ads for, for DraftKings and FanDuel, FanDuel for months because they were trying to figure out whether or not they wanted to even take advertising dollars. Yep. And you look at where we're at now
0: completely a 180 and how fast it's happened is really it's catching some people and I've seen some people kind of take their breath and go, Okay, like, and the thing is at this point, the genie is well and fully out of the bottle. Like you've got the Mannings on the Caesars commercials and like you just name it. Like you cannot watch any NFL event without two, three, four gambling ads, probably, you know, per hour. Mm -hmm. Um it is it is everywhere and they're gonna have to adjust to the reality that people are gonna place bets and they're gonna have to say this is not allowed like if you are a player participating in a game you can't bet on that game but hey if you want to bet on you know cleveland versus the cowboys and you play for the dolphins we're probably going to have to look the other way because it's, it's just going to get grayer. uh, And it, a lot of people came out against the sort of league moral high ground of saying, Oh, you can't bet on games, but make sure to visit our sponsors and here's the code.
1: Yeah. It's, it's tough. There's not really a right answer to it. I just, my one thought is Calvin dude, every year they tell every single player, in a freaking seminar don't do it you can't you can't claim ignorance they tell you every year you're a veteran nfl player it doesn't matter that you stepped away from the game you're still active on the team's roster you're just out with a non-football whatever the nfi designation is for it can't bet on games dude it's just it's not like i I, uh, did you
0: hear ross tucker's thing with dan patrick today no, it was really good Dan Patrick. They were talking about this. And Dan Patrick asked Ross Tucker, he said, did it ever come up when you played? And and Ross had a great story. And he said, it came up twice in my career. One was, he said, if you can believe this, one was my first game ever in college. I was a freshman mm-hmm. in Princeton. And the other one was my last game of my NFL career. And those are the only two times it came up. And he said, on the first one, he was 18 years old. He was on special teams and they were playing Cornell and he's like, I couldn't even, you know, I'm three months removed from the prom and I couldn't believe that people even bet on this stuff. And my dad called me and said, Hey Ross, jokingly, my dad called me and said, Hey Ross, if I give you the signal in the fourth quarter, just let that guy through and have him block the kick. <laughs> right. And that got his wheels turning as to, Oh wait, I, I am that guy. I can influence things now as, as small as my role is said, so it never came up. And then his last year he was on IR and His team had a week uh, at that point, 17 game in 16 game season last week of the year. And if they won, they went to the playoffs and he knew he was retiring. He'd injured his neck. If they won, his team went, we, he said, went to the playoffs and I got 18,000 bucks. Mm. It was in my contract, right? So I'm, I've been on IR for months because I've ruptured it. Disc in my neck, and I'm hanging out with friends, and we're watching the game. And I'm like, "Hey, if if my team wins this game, I get to I get to have 18 grand, right?" And everybody's like, "Call your bookie, put 9,000 bucks on the other team." And he's like, "No, no, I can't do that." But he said, "I've never been more invested in a football game in my life, even though I had nothing to do with it, right?" Because if we won, I I, I had 18, I basically had 18 yeah, grand on so the his game. Those buddies
1: were saying, "Go hedge,
0: yeah." <laughs> all buddies are like you got ahead." She's like i can't i can't but he said they did win he got the 18 grand he ended up paying for everything at the party and he said i you know for a meaningless game for me i'd been out i knew i was going to retire like it had nothing to do with me he said i've never been more invested it was it was great but like he said that was the only two times it came up so great story from ross
1: yeah so overall moral of the story kids if you're in the nfl if you're tangentially related to the nfl don't bet on games you lose a lot more money than you win, I promise. Yeah. Um, next piece of news. Now, we have a whole bunch of different franchise tag news, but this one kind of gets its own. Uh, cause Cam Robinson got tagged again. And yeah. he's not the only player to be tagged again, but a little bit different scenario because this whole kind of last uh you know month and a half you know, even you know, speaking of betting lines, you look at the betting <laughs> lines, Evan Neal was the overwhelming favorite to go first overall because people thought that Cam Robinson was on his way out. You know, he's going to you know, take his talents downstate to Miami and he's going to be the new left tackle, of the Dolphins and, uh, you know, presumably, and, you know, Jacksonville was going to get an upgrade at the position with another Alabama tackle that's cheaper and possibly better very highly regarded <laughs> yes. very highly regarded and you know kind of kind of be the new franchise left tackle for trevor lawrence that's what everybody assumed was going to happen and then cam robinson got tagged and then michael giardi um you know put out a tweet today saying that jacksonville is very much in the market for teron armstead and that they are competing with the dolphins for armstead and we knew that the Dolphins were going to get a left tackle from somewhere, whether it was Cam Robinson, whether it was Armstead, whether it was anybody that's going to be on the market. They were going to get a left tackle somewhere. I did not expect Cam Robinson to get a second tag while Jacksonville is also pursuing Armstead. The the number one um, byproduct of this is that, yeah, they're probably taking a pass rusher number one overall. I do not think that Evan Neal is going to be the first overall pick anymore, just based on this news. Um, but the second byproduct of this is I kind of feel like they're still going to get Armstead, but they wanted to get something out of Cam Robinson on his way out the door. And they think that they can get more for him than what a compensatory pick would be. Mm. I think they're trying to do what I believe they're trying to do. Their ideal scenario is sign Toronto Armstead, tag and trade Robinson for a second round pick or a higher third round pick than what they would have got as a compensatory at the end of the third round. Maybe even to Miami. Cause again, they're trying to get whatever they can get. I kind of feel like they're, they're, they're playing the system a little bit in that way. I'm not hundred percent sure if I'm right, but that's what it feels like to me.
0: Yeah. It's a very expensive hedge. We just talked about hedges. This is a very expensive hedge, like tagging someone for, Uh, the second time in a row elevates the price tag Uh, there are minimums Uh, left tackle is not a cheap position to do this at Uh, one of the more expensive positions as salaries go in the nfl they didn't want to get left at the end of musical chairs and be forced into taking a tackle even though they have one of the top picks like they they really this is We're going to have one in hand that we can live with. Now, if we can move that, upgrade it, replace it, get a Terran Armstead... It's not instead, uh, or it's not in addition to, right? There's been some folks saying, well, that's money that could have been used on Taron Armstead. It either will be or it won't be, right? Uh, if Taron Armstead comes to Jacksonville, I have no doubt that Cam Robinson will be moved uh, again just to get his salary largely off the books. Now, some money will accelerate as dead cap. I get it. That's fine. Uh, but if that comes to play, it really does come back to the draft implications, which are Jacksonville's probably taking a pass rusher at number one, cause they're going to get a tackle one way or another, either the one they just tagged or the big one in free agency, if they're able to land him and then they're probably still going to take a pass rusher. So if they had not tagged Can Robinson and they lost out on Armstead, then there's There's no choice. You have to take a tackle of choice. So they have to, they're giving themselves a choice. It's an expensive way to do that. Let's, let's be clear.
1: And in terms of, again, let's just pretend pass rusher is going to be the pick just based on their moves that we've seen so far. That seems to be what they want to do. And at minimum, Cam Robinson is going to be their left tackle. Pass rusher becomes naturally the pick. Whether you want it to be Hutchinson or Thibodeau, there's probably a few people out there that are saying, well, Trayvon Walker. F- fine. I don't necessarily think it matters which one you value the most because they're going to get a good player regardless. I think this whole uh, saga, it will be hard for us to judge until about three years from now. mmm because I think we're going to need to see what Teron Armstead or Cam Robinson look like at that point. We're going to need to see what uh, you know Neal or Cross or Aquanu look like at that point, and we're going to need to see what Hutch and Walker and and Thibodeau look like. I can't really say that this is the right move or the wrong move because there's a lot of really good football players involved here, and I don't necessarily think there is a wrong answer. I kind of just want to see it play out. And in two or three years, we'll, we'll, we'll see where we're at. But I think there's really, is it wrong of me to say that there's really a, a no bad scenario here for the Jags? Like no matter what, they're going to be getting better as a team.
0: Uh, with that high a pick, I would hope so. (laughs) That's the whole point is you have your choice of anybody in the entire college football world. Like you can pick any player you want, they better be getting better with that high pick. Like if you're picking within the top 10, you, you need to be choosing a player that is going to influence your franchise in a very positive way. And immediately that's not a, you know, short of a quarterback that you have to pick because they won't be on the board after 10 who might not develop in his first year. Other than that, you better be getting somebody that contributes right now out of the gate. And all the players we're talking about have that potential. Now, Jacksonville, in my mind, is probably a little bit risk averse after last year because, boy, did they step in it multiple times. Like, it just didn't work out and didn't work out and didn't work out to the point where they let their coach go in the middle of the year and just basically threw up their hands and said, we give up, forget it, like, that's awful, we're really sorry. So they probably are a little bit gun shy coming into this season, and that to me would kind of point towards... We need whoever we pick at the top to be as safe. And in terms of a draft pick, that means blue chip talent for sure, but also solid, solid, solid as a person with background, everything like we cannot afford to screw this up in any way. So even if maybe they're not the most talented in terms of the highest ceiling, we need somebody that's a very good player and an extremely solid person. And to me probably leans towards hutchinson because he is both he has a very high talent level is a very high floor his bust potential is pretty low and by all accounts again we don't have access to this information he is as solid as it gets he has been reported to be one of the safest from a draft standpoint picks in the entire draft so if i'm jacksonville that's probably where I'm leaning. We'll see how the left tackle thing works out, whether it's Armstead, whether it's Robinson, but like if they're going to go edge and seems like that's the most popular pick for them, I would probably see them leaning towards safe and there isn't anybody safer at that position in the draft than Hutchinson.
1: When in doubt, just keep drafting Heisman finalists and you're you're probably getting good football players. That, that tends to be the trend. Uh, speaking of top 10 picks that worked out, Mike Williams just signed a massive deal in the middle of the day. This got completely buried <laughs> because everything else was going on. Um, 20 million a year, I, I think is what the math worked out to, you know, he was a seventh overall pick back in 2017, you know, then he got the the fifth year option and, and, you know, this was, um, it, it was, it was trending towards, you know, for a while of a, a will they won't they type thing. And, and I, I put it out on Twitter a while ago. It's like why is this even a question? You have Don't they like him? <laughs> you have a very talented receiver coming off a career year, most catches, most yards he's ever had, second most touchdowns he's ever had. He's get he's a great red zone threat. Um, you know, he's become you know, everything not everything, but 85% of what they thought he was going to be when they took him in the top 10. Uh, you know, Keenan Allen, it's still third in Keenan. So, Mike is still He's still the other guy in terms of their own receiving core, but if you're a number two to Keenan Allen, there's really no shame in that. I think most people would be a number two to Keenan Allen. But he's still... Uh, he's not easy to replace somebody with that kind of catch radius, that kind of deep ball ability, red zone ability. Uh, He's a really good route runner, which a lot of guys with his frame, you know, uh, they tend to kind of be more like one trick ponies. Like, oh, just let me work outside the boundary. That's what I can do. But no, he can, you can put him into the slot and he can actually run the full route tree too. So he's a very versatile receiver um, that has only been ascending the last two years now that he got Justin Herbert. I think bailing on that would have been, Very, very unwise. And relative to what the wide receiver market is and is about to be, $20 Ain't that bad, all things considered.
0: It's near the top, right? And what has been pushing down wide receiver salaries is wide receiver supply. Last two years of the draft have been chock full of very talented wide receivers. This year, I don't know, I was gonna say maybe doesn't have the star power at the top that the last two did. But it is, again, a very deep wide receiver draft, not as deep, but still, that's, that's not condemning it in any way, because the last two have been historically loaded. So there's all this supply for GMs, this labor supply of wide receivers. So $20 million, I think a lot of people, that was what everybody basically said, hey, if I'm at the top of the market, the Allen Robinsons of the world, everybody, hey, if I'm at the top of the wide receiver market, I'm getting $20 million, right? And I don't know that they're all going to get it. Uh, Mike Williams got it. So the Chargers risk is, is twofold here. If they let him go, you're right. He's difficult to replace because he has a downfield skill set. And if you have Justin Herbert at quarterback, you need that. And so while he cannot do all the things Keenan Allen does, he is an excellent complement to that. And he is a guy to go down the field, win the jump ball. Um, and that's going to be, there are fewer of those guys in in every draft than there are. Route runners, possession guys, pure speed guys that are smaller, can play in a slot. Like those big outside, sort of T. Higgins, Mike Williams guys, there are less of, and you're going to be in competition. So the risk for the Chargers, if they don't sign him, is now I got to go get one of those guys. Are they out there? They are, but again, you got to hit on them and they got to develop like you hope they do. The risk of what they did is they're paying top of market prices right now. And some people might say, ah, that's not true. You know, all these guys are going to get 24 million. I don't think very many of them are. Um, Kenny Galladay got one of the biggest deals, one of the only big deals last year, and people expected him to get more. Um, I think... Some folks that enter the market a little bit later are going to find that the coffers aren't quite as open, even though the salary cap has bounced back up from its COVID low. That money, I don't think, is going to be available. So the Chargers just chose to take the guy that has familiarity with the quarterback, fills the role they want to, and they chose to pay probably a little bit more. They chose to pay a little bit of a premium to keep him because of the familiarity and not having to start over, and they mitigate the risk of having to pick that guy uh, and have him work out as well as, or maybe better, but that's a small chance, than Mike Williams has.
1: I think when you see what Debo is going to get and what Metcalf is going to get because they're they're up next and you know AJ Brown and maybe even Deontay Johnson Terry McLaurin like that next group I don't think 20 million is going to seem so bad especially for like like Terry's going to get like 25 you know, like yeah. it's, I don't think and, it's, and then bad. Justin Jefferson the year after that, Justin Jefferson's gonna get fucking third. Yeah, two years from <laughs> like, now with Jefferson, know?
0: he's gonna get, he's gonna basically, with the production he's had in the first two years, he's gonna get a Devontae Adams type. Team. Oh, yeah, like he's gonna get oh, yeah. top of whatever's out there. Mike Williams, like you said, 85% is still a lot of what they expected him to be, but Mike Williams is, he's around that top tier, but if I had to list the top 10 wide receivers in the league, he's, he's not making that list. If I had to list the top 20, I, he'd probably be in that list, but there's, there's a lot of good wide receivers out there. So it's, it's top for his range. Um, is it obscene or, or, you know, irresponsible no no it's not in that category but they definitely paid right up at the top of of what i would say receivers in his tier are going to get um good deal for i think team and for player like again they hit the ground running they already you know there's not a learning curve he's already familiar with the offense with justin everything else so you know solid deal for both sides mike mike got his money and the chargers uh hopefully just keep right on trucking with their receiving core.
1: So why don't we hit some of the uh, the other big name franchise tags that came down. Uh, Devontae Adams was an obvious one, which that's most of these. In fact, I would say all of them are probably placeholder tags for extensions. I think all four of these names, uh, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, Mike Isecki, uh Dalton Schultz, I think their teams want them to stay around for a long time. Like there are some franchise tags we get some years where it's like, yeah, you're you're a rental. They want one, one more done, year. Yeah. yeah one, they want one more year of you and then they're going to release you, uh, you know, out to the free market. Uh, but they, they can't replace you this year. They're going to try to replace you next year. Um, but all four of these guys, you know, Adams, uh, Godwin, Kosicki and Schultz. I think these are all placeholder tags for larger extensions. Devontae, that's going to come after the Rogers deal. Cause they got to figure out how much money they even have available and then they're going to try to find a way, you know, to re-sign not just Adams, but probably a couple of the other receivers from that receiving core, because Aaron's going to want Randall Cobb back. He'll probably want Lazard back. At minimum, LaFleur, I think, was going to want Lazard back for blocking. MVS um, is probably going to be gone. No, MVS is it.
0: definitely gone. I'll I'll put money on that.
1: But I think I think regardless, Devontae's not signing till after Rogers' deal or deal is hammered out because they got to figure out what what kind of money. Yeah, they're they, working with. they need to do it money
0: wise. Like they need to figure out what um, creative accounting they're going to run on Rogers' deal so that they can give devante his bag because watch it
1: be like a hundred million dollar cap hit in year four and they just say fuck
0: it i i <laughs> would put it off <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised it's what they're gonna do with rogers deal and i wouldn't be surprised if they do the kind of same thing and just build themselves a bomb um and say we'll we'll just let it explode because we either win a ring or we don't and we'll all be gone either way <laughs>
1: yeah um chris godwin also you know that one i think is is coming down to
0: This one's really interesting, though, because it means if you you have now and they can, of course, sign to a long term deal, rescind the tag, use it on different player. But for now, that means a very good cornerback hits the market. Carlton Davis. That's right. They cannot have both right now under the current structure. Now, if they get a long term extension hammered out, they can move the tag unless I'm mistaken, if there are capologists out there that say, no, no, that's not true. But I believe that's true. If they hammer out a long-term deal with Godwin before a certain date, they can take that tag and then say, we're not using it currently, we're going to apply it. The last
1: time I think a tag got rescinded was Josh Norman, right? That was years ago.
0: Yeah, no, it is possible. But right now, what this means, the biggest fallout is that one of your best cornerbacks and certainly one of the top free agent cornerbacks if he truly hits the market goes out on the market because of the way you've you've been unable to reach an extension to this point with Godwin so you prioritize him say we don't want to lose him we're putting you on the tag we're going to keep negotiating but if you don't get that done in time or or don't get it done at all uh you keep godwin but you lose one of your best corners and one of the better uh still fairly young corners in the league and that's a that's a thing that's the probably most noteworthy part of this
1: yeah it's uh they they kind of sold their soul for for 2021 you know they brought back every single star. they brought back every single coach It was very much a we're all in for this year. You know, Tom might retire, which he ended up retiring. Well, God knows how long that's going to last. But, you know, it was it was very much all in for this year. They expected to start losing guys after last season. And I think this is it's just part of that process. They cannot keep everybody. They cannot pay everybody. You know, they they were able to bring the band back together for one year, but it was just going to be that one year. There was there was no way. To, to kind of keep it all together, not, not even remotely possible. So they chose Godwin because Godwin is the better player. And <laughs> when in doubt, keep the better player on your, on your roster. The thing is, I don't, I don't know how long this is going to last because I think the there's so many different nuances to this deal. Cause again, it is a second tag, which in itself is a shitload of money, um, which they are not going to want to have that much money on the books for this year they're going to want to do a longer term extension so they can spread this thing out with a big ass signing bonus um but also i wouldn't be surprised if rightly or wrongly they're using the acl tear to lowball him right now and he's saying no if they weren't lowballing him he probably would have already signed if they were giving him 20 plus million a year he probably already would have signed because and, that's, that's and one that thing level,
0: to do. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and to all players like not that you need my advice, get your bag. Right. I, mm-hmm. I look at the people that have signed and then gotten hurt um, grievously or otherwise. And NFL careers are short. And if you can take the guarantee, take the guarantee. And I think he would have. But I think everyone and I would say Godwin has a right to it. He is in that top tier. If you ask me who's a better receiver, Chris Godwin or Mike Williams, Chris Godwin i'm taking chris godwin right so yeah. he he has the right to say hey i want top tier money and if top tier is 20 and above i'm gonna go 20 and they say yeah but you tore your knee like what about eighteen five? and he goes no tw- like 20 is a, is a mental thing these are competitive guys and it was the same thing with alan robinson the bears offered alan robinson about 18 somewhere between 18 and 19 million dollars a year and he said go swing i can get 20 um you know might have might have backed off that a little bit when he saw what Galladay got but um you know so i agree with you if they had already put the bag in front of godwin and said it's 20 he probably would have taken it we wouldn't see this tag and he's probably saying no i'm still worth 20 i believe it um and i would say
1: he is Well was, and I, and especially now that williams got 20 he's going to say all right now i'm 24 yeah, yeah exactly
0: <laughs> no. i fully agree that that's happening and Honestly, that's a great segue to talk about the two tight ends on the list because uh, I was on with our friends Rockpile talking talking Buffalo, but we were really talking about um, we were really talking about the tight end market because they're looking for a tight end too, and uh, Carolina screwed this up royally. <laughs> like Carolina paid their tight end too, who has not been really successful in any sense of the word way more than a backup tight end should probably be worth. And it sent shockwaves because for those of you that don't know, this is how the market gets set. Agents look around and they say, that guy's a tight end too. And my tight end too, that I represent has been way more successful. So he gets more than that guy. And Carolina took that bar and shoved it way up for Ian Thomas. And it's, it's causing a bunch of shockwaves because everybody looked at this free agent tight end class and said it's the best free agent tight end class ever. We're going to have... David and Joku, we're gonna have Gasecki, we're gonna have Schultz, we're gonna have all these guys, right? And one by one, they get picked off by the franchise tag. And Joku got his, Gaseki got his, Dalton Schultz got his. Like that's not um that part's not unpredictable. But all the guys that are left in that second tier are now looking at Ian Thomas and going, I'm a better player demonstrably than Ian Thomas. I get more than he does. And teams are going, ooh, I'm mm, I'm not sure that I want to prioritize my second tight end as that much of a financial hit. And it's, this is causing a lot of ripples and frankly, teams are going to turn to the draft because while it lacks a little bit of star power, it's a very deep tight end class. There are guys that are going to contribute into the fourth and fifth rounds and teams are just going to go, I'm I'm not going to pay you that to be my, you know, second tight end uh, unless I use them all the time I'm just gonna draft somebody if you're if you're gonna say that's the market I'm gonna say I'm gonna go get the cheap labor
1: and the thing with with Ian Thomas is you know people look at the base salary but you got to take into account the, the cap hit the cap hits what matters it's six or seven million dollars you know for 2023 and 2024 actually it's about uh, average about seven million each year for a guy who He's their tight end one, but for most teams, he's tight end two oh, or tight end three. You yeah. know, he just happens to be their tight end one, but relative to the rest of the league, he's probably not starting on most teams. You know, so I think when you look at at Kasicki and Schultz, who absolutely are T.E. ones, not just for their team, but for many teams, and you're looking at Ian Thomas you know, costing 7 million a year in actual like dollars that count towards the cap. Their agents are saying, okay, double it. You know, especially when you look at the Kittle deal, you know, like it, they're, they're saying, all right, we, we want, we want 14, we want 15 a year.
0: And that may be low. Did you hear this one?
1: Oh, has there been actual offers published? No.
0: No, this is this is something we talked about with another player who came out in the draft last year and limiting career earnings by not changing your positional designation.
1: Hmm.
0: So when Kyle Pitts came out last year, we were like, he should have come out as a wide receiver. Yeah, he should have said I'm a wide receiver. I'm an X because he basically plays that anyways, can play that. And you're going to make a lot more money because NFL salaries are determined by positional designations as antiquated as that may be with a player like Kyle Pitts. He didn't do it, and eventually that's going to come down. Gusecki's in the same boat. Gasecki has a statistical argument. He's a say, big slot. Yeah. He's to still... say, I am a wide receiver, and the difference between wide receiver base salary and tight end base salary for ones is huge. So yeah. the tag is a great deal for Miami for Gusecki because I think it's 10000000 million-something. And
1: uh somewhere around there
0: yeah i think it's around 10 million again for a tight end one for a wide receiver one that tag is what north 19 20
1: north of 19 for sure i think it's yeah. over 20 at this it's point
0: 20. it's double it's literally yeah. double so if you're mike gasecki or his representative you say uh-uh you don't get him for 10 million we're gonna put in a grievance to file him as a wide receiver because look at his alignments, his production, routes run, catches made like he qualifies as a wide
1: receiver. And here we you go. have go. I got pay it. him as uh, such. 18-4 for wide receiver, 10-9 huh? for tight end. That's a yeah. lot.
0: Almost double. Yeah. Um, and certainly, again, if you're going to be paid as as one of the top guys. So there is a very real possibility, not saying it's going to happen, but there is some precedent for it happening and somebody's going to do it and if it's not gaseki it'll be Pitts and whatever to say "Uh uh-uh you don't get to pay me as a tight end one because i'm producing like a wide receiver two uh and the cap for wide receiver two is 16 17 18 million you're not going to get to save six or seven million because of the letters in front of my name you're going to have to pay me for what i do on the field
1: you know what's crazy i didn't even know this the franchise tag number for linebacker is higher than wide receiver. It's eighteen seven.
0: Well, that's because of some of the deals, right? The Fred Warner deal. I did
1: not realize the top five averaged out that way. Yeah. I, I thought there was a, a steeper cliff than that. Wow.
0: Well, that I'll, and players talk about this. We're, we're getting into the weeds on salary. So if you don't like salary, or team building, <laughs> you can mute this part, but, um, what that's causing is this rift between the haves and the have-nots. The Fred Warners of the world are getting paid and getting paid at that, you know, higher than wide receiver level. And everybody else that a team has to fill in is almost street free agent level. I mean, if you look at the bears, like they had to pay Roquan, right? Roquan's going to get you know, he's got his bag.
1: He'll get the same number that Fred got. Yeah. Right.
0: And who yeah. do you get beside him? You bring in Alec Ogletree literally off the street in camp and say, Be the other guy, because we're paying this guy all the money and we need another body there. We'll give you a just play deal. And the just play deal is, you know, million year, million two, two million. Like that's yeah. it. Yeah. Because we can't pay two people like this doesn't matter how good you are and so teams that have two good linebackers are in a spot right indianapolis with leonard and Ogarici. oh man
1: i don't know what they're gonna do with, with they're them. they're
0: doomed like they can't pay yeah. them both and and both have a legitimate shot to say i'm producing as a top linebacker and they you you can't do that positionally and, and from a team building standpoint you cannot tie up forty five million dollars in two linebackers like it's not gonna happen i'm
1: trying to think who are the other kind of elite linebacking cores around the league i don't think anybody else has two do they uh
0: well tampa right
1: yeah that's true but levante i think he's gonna retire by the time that it's true that, but that it's Devin close gets paid even uh, though he just he got a new deal last off season. i still think when you include fifth year option and tags i think it I might be doing my math wrong. I think his deal ends by the time Devin White needs to get paid, if I recall correctly. Could be. Um, Not familiar enough
0: to say so. Let's put it that way. But then you get the really interesting, uh, it's dominoes, basically. If Gusecki does challenge it and has it a return, what happens with guys like Kyle Duggar and Jeremy Chid? Right. Oh, yeah. they go. No, you don't get to pay me as a safety. You got I'm pay a corner me as, now. Yeah, <laughs> you got to pay me as a corner. You got to pay me as a linebacker. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm down in the box enough that, you know, Kyle Duggar. Right. You you play me in the box all the time. You got to pay me as a top linebacker
1: because oh, I'm God, all the safeties slash dimebackers
0: the divine Diablos of the world. Yeah. Like, like it gets really goofy. We talked about this in our interview with Thomas Booker about positionless football, right? And that, you know, the Debo's of the world are doing it on the offensive side, but it's been happening on the defensive side for years. Are you a corner? Are you safety? Are you star? I'm, I'm all that. Are you a linebacker? Are you a dimebacker? Like, are you safety? I, I'm a big safety. I'm a power slot dimebacker, like whatever I am. Right. So this whole salary structure being based on, the antiquated label that goes in front of your name as opposed to what you actually do number of snaps where you play what you do as a role uh is gonna have to change and that's gonna be a major thing for the next round of negotiations is you don't you don't get to pay me a lot less just because you drafted me and called me a tight end
1: oh man what a mess can of worms a big beautiful mess that is the nfl yes Either way, long story short, all these guys are probably going to get extended. The big question is just for how much money. And we might not know that for several and I mean several months. <laughs> yeah, no. This will
0: drag out for sure. It always yeah. does.
1: Yeah. And we some of these at least a, one of them, I think, might have a legitimate shot of stretching into late in the summer and we'll see what happens with it. But regardless, uh hell of a day, EJ. Hell of a day. <laughs>
0: it just ca- my favorite underrated part of this day is the pettiness of the Denver Broncos <laughs> and I'll <laughs> tell you why Oh, oh Aaron you're not going to play for us because you know they offered they offered last year they made an overture oh, last Oh they,
1: they 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 had their media people say oh no we were never pursuing Aaron we were working on this Russell deal for weeks bullshit Bull so they did
0: <laughs> And guess what? Aaron loves the spotlight. We all know that Aaron, Aaron can't, Aaron can't have the combine go off without saying, Hey, I might say something. This needs to be about me. Right. This is a thing. Um, you put out a tweet the other day about Roger says he won't let decision drag on from three different years. Right. Same, same quote. Um, so we all know that. Right. And Broncos, when I I say Broncos pettiness, they were like, okay, Aaron Rodgers signs largest deal in league history right start the clock <laughs> we're going to give you 60 minutes to sit on that you think you're going to run the day you sir didn't want to play for us you get 1 hour and then we're going to cut the hell out of your knees with <laughs> by far the largest news story of the day that everybody's going to talk about it everybody's going to forget about your deal so Enjoy your 60 minutes while you got them.
1: (laughs) I I I...
0: love that from the Broncos. That is And
1: I don't care that they're I don't care that they're saying that they were never in on Rogers. Every every media person in the league was saying they were in on Rogers for over a year. Last year, yeah. So
0: (laughs) So it's like they they wanted him. Oh, they wanted him, they didn't get him, and they're like, so you don't want to play for us? Guess what we're gonna do? enjoy your enjoy your 60 minutes of highest contract ever cuz that's all you're getting and after that the entire world's going to explode and nobody's going to remember your name for the rest of the day. I was like, "Okay, Broncos. Yeah. You, that is that is my most underrated storyline of the day that I just dig."
1: <laughs> By the way, um uh, make up a bed for me because the Broncos are visiting Seattle this year. Yeah, you
0: said you're coming uh-huh. up. I can't wait for that. It's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating just to see Seahawks games this year because it's gonna be a whole different landscape. No Bobby. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, no Russ. A completely different defensive philosophy, which I'm actually looking forward to. But now the offense is in serious question. What are you gonna do? Who's gonna run it? What are you gonna run? Really depends on who you get in to to pull the trigger. But it's gonna be fascinating from a from our point of view, which is just watching football in the field and saying what are they doing and can they do it? And, and obviously Russ's homecoming is Seattle is going to welcome him back. Like that's, it's an underrated part of this that, you know, for much of their early history, like almost the entirety of their early history, the, the Hawks and the Broncos are in the same division, right? Yeah. They're, bitter rivals right and that a lot of nfl fans don't even know that since realignment that you know the the hawks got moved to the to the nfc and they became you know they still play each other but usually in the preseason and and more sort of as that divisional regional rivalry kind of thing but for years the hawks and the broncos went at it they were bitter rivals and the idea of one trading a starting hall of fame caliber quarterback to the other was impossible unheard of and now it's like that subtext didn't even get brought up today most people don't even remember those days so uh fascinating sort of subtext but seattle's going to welcome russ back with open arms he is such a part of the fabric of the Northwest and, and Seahawks culture that nobody's going to boo Russ when he comes back to town. Like, no no, no, no way.
1: No. And nobody booed Tom in new England. They're not going to boo Russ in Seattle. No, not it's, even close. I just want to be there just because it's going to be,
0: Oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, be spicy. insane. Yeah. It's going
1: to be so fun. So we'll go to Porosky, Porosky and then, uh, and then walk <laughs> on down and then go tailgate for a little bit. Heck yeah. But, um, yeah, great show. Um, the NFL is the greatest reality show in the history of this planet. Never a dull uh, moment. Never, never a dull moment. Dull it dull moment. is, it is March, a month after the season is over, and we just I had, know we're
0: not even a free agency <laughs> yet. And like we, we get this day, day where it's like, oh, by the way, largest contract ever. Oh, by the way, Hall of Fame quarterback moving. Oh, by the way. Like, yeah, you don't even like guys get $60 million deals, and like you said, it gets lost in the wash. Like, that's that's a day
1: god i love this sport yep so we'll be back with our uh, regularly scheduled programming uh next week with our 10 gems on offense we have a lot of really really fun names to talk about um some big names some names you might not have uh, have heard of before some fcs guys we're going to talk about so uh can't wait for that show to come out that'll be uh that'll be here sometime next week and uh until then later